Active FM presents Food for Thought with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky Anston. Radio, Radio. We're expecting 2021 to be far more fruitful than 2020 was. People at the beginning of 2020 were saying 20 plenty. And it became anything but. And I want you to think about a concept, the Great Reset. There's a guy who started an organization called the World Economic Forum named Klaus Schwab. He wrote two books in the recent past. The first one was a book called The Fourth Industrial Revolution. And the second one was The Great Reset. It's a philosophy I totally disagree with. Totally disagree with. They say we're not going to eat meat. Okay, and that you're going to be happy. In other words, you're a South African, you're not going to bry, and you're going to be happy. There's going to be no burivals, no steak, no chops. That's what the Great Reset says, eh? They say you won't own anything, and you'll be happy. No, we own everything, because we're part of the kingdom of God. We're not of this world. And so, the Great Reset has now been a proposal, and this is what... Wikipedia says, the Great Reset is proposed by the World Economic Forum to rebuild the economy, the economy sustainably following the COVID-19 pandemic. It was unveiled in May 2020. It was actually unveiled before that. They're actually lying when they say that. But anyway, Wikipedia, get your acts together. It was unveiled in May 2020 by the United Kingdom's Prince Charles and the World Economic Forum Director Klaus Schwab. It seeks to improve capitalism by making investments more geared towards mutual progress and focusing on environmental initiatives. Okay, the Green New Deal. A petition in Canada to stop it gained 80,000 signatures in less than 72 hours, and there's a conspiracy theory that has spread in response, claiming that it will be used to bring in a supposed new world order. Hmm. Do-dum, do-dum, do-do-do-do. Here comes Jaws, here comes Jaws. If you haven't seen Jaws, go watch a movie. You see body parts all over the sea. You understand what I'm saying? But I want to tell you that they're saying that the world needs an economic great reset. And as Christians, I want to say, no, we need a great reset. I'm not a supporter of the world's great reset, but I am a supporter of a great reset here in the church. And let me tell you why the church needs a great reset. I heard a stat this week that in the United States, 51% of Christians do not know the Great Commission. You know the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, where Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And lo, I will be with you even to the very end of the age. You know that 51% of those U.S. Christians, and it's probably no different here in South Africa, but 51% of the U.S. Christians do not even know. They, they, they tell you, I cannot tell you, the, I, I do not know the Great Commission, I cannot tell you what the Great Commission is. Which means 49% said they do know the Great Commission. But you know, when you look at the fact that 49% say they do know the Great Commission, another state that I heard, which is, which is, is really alarming, is that only 17% of the Christians can describe the Great Commission. Which means that a whole lot, maybe nearly half of those who say, maybe yeah, close to half of those who say they know the Great Commission can't describe it. And then one that's really challenging. And we see it, I believe, in the South African church. 7% of Christians are excited to share the gospel. 7% of Christians are, are excited to, to share the gospel. And then the worst one of all, 2% of Christians will lead someone to Jesus in their lifetime. So out of every 100 Christians, only two will lead someone to Jesus, will lead someone to Jesus in their lifetime. And I want to ask you, are you in those states? This is heartbreaking. This is heart-wrenching. And now, let me tell you about the other side of it. Because for people who don't know Jesus, for people that are lost, do you know that about 37% of them, 37% of those who are lost would like someone to tell them 
about how they can get to God. They would like someone to tell them about God. They would like someone to introduce them to God. 37%. If only 2% are going to lead people to Jesus, if only 7% are even excited to do that, who's going to get to those 37%? About 34% of the lost feel that there's something missing in their lives. Something is missing. There's some component of their lives that is missing and they cannot account for it and they can't fix it. They don't know how to fix it. 34% of those who don't know Jesus feel there's something missing in their lives. And 63%, you know, this is the worst part of all, 63% of the lost, 63% of the non-Christians in America grew up in a Christian home. How can that be? That can be because many times we're Christians, we're in church, but there's a disconnect between us and God. There isn't faith. And this is what I want you to realize here today. That if if we don't have faith, then we're going to be in a situation whereby We're not going to be excited to tell other people about Jesus because we ourselves are not excited. And if you don't have faith, you're not excited about Jesus. And so we need to get to God. And I want to read to you from Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 29, and it says, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. In other words, his disciples are in an argument. Immediately when they saw him, All the people were greatly amazed, and running to him, they greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with him? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son, who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him on the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they could cast it out, but they could not. I want to ask you if you were one of the disciples of Jesus. And this man has this boy who's got a mute spirit. In other words, the spirit is is torturing him in such a way that he cannot speak. And it throws him. He starts having fits. He starts foaming at the mouth. And this man comes and says, Please help my son. And they can't. Are you part of the, of, of the group that can't? You know that God wants when people come to you, that you have answers. That you can lead them to the answers. That you can lead them to the promised land. They could not. Jesus, his disciples have been with you for a period of time. But I'm asking them to release my son. I'm asking them to, um, you know, to, to, to uh, redeem my son. Redeem my son from this curse that is on him. Redeem my son from the situation where he is stuck here. Where he can't even talk. Where he has the indignity of foaming at the mouth and they can't help. And then in verse 19 we see that Jesus answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus is saying, you know what? The problem here is that you don't have faith. You see, if you have faith in me, you have all the power you need to release this boy. You have all this, the, 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 the power you need to save this boy from his situation. <clears throat> but you've got to have faith. The fact that you can't deliver this boy means there's a lack of faith. And then in verse 20, they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell to the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, this is the boy's father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often it has thrown him, thrown him, uh, thrown him both into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23, And Jesus said to him, If you can believe, 
all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And this is what we spoke about last week. How much are you willing to cry out to God? How much are you willing to cry out to Him with everything that you have? Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of Him and enter Him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind comes out, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. I want to tell you that if you can't tell people about Jesus, you're not going to be able to help a boy like this. If you can't tell people about Jesus, you're not going to be able to help someone that has a cancer diagnosis. If you're not going to tell people about Jesus, you're not going to be able to help someone that is lost and does not know the Lord. And so we have a great reset that we want to achieve. And when, I'm not going to say if, when we achieve the great reset, we are going to see a great revival in our, in our church and in our nation. And our great reset is this, to move from the could not scenario to the I can scenario. To, the, to bring, bring that boy to me because I will pray, I will have faith, and we will see the deliverance of this young boy. Their problem is that they were not hearing him. They were not hearing what Jesus was teaching him. And they were not listening to him. And therefore, those that are not listening to Jesus understand this. There is no power. I want to say that again. To those who are not listening to Jesus, there is no power. And so when we're fasting, we're not fasting because of the fact that we want to get closer. Well, we do want to get closer to God, but, but that we want to get to God and get saved. We're already saved. We're fasting because we want to have greater faith. We want to get connected with Him. And we want to see the power of God moving in our lives. That's why we're fasting. And when the boy is brought to Jesus, the Spirit immediately convulses the boy because there's always a reaction when the presence of God is there. There's always a reaction. Something is always going to happen. And if there's demons in a person, they're going to react. And Jesus... He addresses the problem. He says, our faithless generation. And so Jesus addresses our problem. Our problem is faithlessness. Jesus expected, with the teaching that he had given the disciples, that they should have been able to deliver this boy. And the fact that they can't is a failure in terms of their faith. And I want to tell you that Jesus is speaking to us today. Jesus is telling you, listen, I want to see that through your life people are being delivered from the power of darkness. I want to see that, that through your life people are being delivered from the fear of COVID-19. I want to see that through your life people are being delivered by the illness called COVID-19. I want to see that through your life the virus called SARS-CoV-2 is being pushed back in Jesus' name. The Lord is saying that. But in order for that to happen through your life, there's got to be faith. And then the father of the boy comes to him and he says, Jesus, if you can. You know what he's doing when he says if you can? He's actually questioning the ability of Jesus. And what I want to say to you today, have you gone to the Lord this week and said if you can? Are you able to hear much of the bad news that goes on in the world today? Are you able to hear it when world politicians stand up and say, we are doomed. We're headed for a dark winter. Are you saying to Jesus in the middle of the so-called dark winter, 
or dark summer here in South Africa, whatever you want to call it, are you saying to Jesus, if you can? Questioning the ability of Jesus. And the second part, that if you want to. <laughs> so if you want to, Lord. If you can, deliver my son. If you want to, deliver my son. And Jesus doesn't sympathize with his father. He doesn't say, oh my man, I'm so sorry. He challenges him. He addresses the father with his matter of faith. And he says, don't put this on me, boy. Do not put this on me. This is, the problem here with your son has got nothing to do with me. In me, you have everything that you need. There's nothing that you need that you do not have. In me, you have a boy that is 100% here. He is 100% sane. And he says, it's not if I can or if I want to. He says, oh, no, 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 no. He says, if you can believe. Can you believe, sir? Can you believe? And I want to tell you, I, I don't know what's going on in your life. Obviously, there will be some pressure. There's been a pressure on the world since the beginning of 2020 because of this virus. And under the pressure of life and maybe the pressure of finances, the pressure of illness, the pressure of people in your family having died, because so many people have experienced that in South Africa. So many people have experienced multiple members of their family dying. And it's not even just COVID. I want to tell you there's a spiritual problem going on here. Because it's not just COVID. People are dying of all sorts of things. Violent deaths are up too. There's a spirit of death. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is called to rise up against the spirit of death in Jesus' name. And in order for the church to rise up, you have to rise up. And the Lord is saying to you, if you can believe, all things are possible. If you can believe, all things are possible. And Jesus says this to the, 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 the father of this boy. And what does the father do? He cries out to Jesus. He said, yes, Jesus, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. And I want to encourage you to come before God while you're fasting. Lord, help me in my unbelief. Help me in my unbelief, Lord. Help me to believe, Lord. You know, you've doubted God. And that's fine as long as there's a repentance and faith. As long as you repent, because you know, us as Christians, when we don't believe, we're stubborn in our unbelief. Go to the Lord with your problem, oh, but you don't understand my problem. My problem is so big. You've never had my problem. You're talking about this as if my problem is so small. No. No. Your Jesus is so small. I'm not saying your problem is so small. I'm saying your Jesus is so small. I'm saying you've made your Jesus so small that he can't solve this problem. He can solve this problem. You need to put your faith in him. And so the, 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 the father cries out, and you need to cry out. I want to call on you today. You need to cry out. The father cries out, and then Jesus casts the spirit out. And Jesus then lifts the boy up. And the boy is healed and he's now free of the demon by the power of Jesus. And everyone's amazed. And afterwards the disciples come to Jesus privately. Because they were afraid to ask him publicly because they were afraid of a public rebuke. They didn't have enough faith to deliver this boy. But they had enough faith to come and ask Jesus why. When you've messed up, do you have enough faith to come and ask Jesus why? There's still faith in repentance. There's, there's still faith in coming back to the Lord. And we have to desire to move from the place of I can't to I can. And, 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 and in, in place of that, is we've got to also move from the place of I don't want to to I want to. When you have faith, you'll want to. You'll have a burning desire that is burning inside of you. 
And we need to have the desire to seek the kingdom first. We need that desire for our own sakes. We need the desire to seek more of the Lord. We need to cry out to God, Oh Lord, I want more of you. Oh Lord, I want more of you, more of your presence in my life. Lord, I want to conquer. I want to have the spirit of a conqueror, Lord. Lord, I don't want to have the spirit of an acceptor. Someone that just accepts the status quo. Someone that just, just accepts a life that is in a state of lockdown. Lord, I want to see that even if we're physically locked down, that we are spiritually as free as a bird. The disciples didn't opt out because to hear this message, even though they'd been with Jesus for a while, isn't easy. They didn't opt out of easy. They asked Jesus how. And the Lord is calling on you, don't opt out of easy. Ask me how. And I want to ask you, is there a spirit of darkness over your life? Is there a giant of darkness that is casting a shadow out of your life? So how do you overcome that? We overcome spirits of darkness through prayer and fasting. Listen to that verse, Mark 9, 29. So then he said to him, This kind can only come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Lack of faith happens because there's a disconnect between you and God. Everything that you believe, everything that you think, your worldview is out of alignment with God. This is what we spoke about the last two weeks. You've got to get your worldview in alignment with God. You've got to get your worldview to such a place where you actually believe that God exists, where you actually believe the Bible, that the Bible is the Word of God, and that the promises of God are for you. You've actually got to believe that, you've, which means you've got to accept it. You know, many, many times we're rejecting this. We're pushing back on this. And so, the Lord wants a massive revival in our church. He wants a huge revival in our church. But if, if we're going to see that, which God wants, and I believe we're going to see it, not... I'm going to say when we see it. It's going to happen because we've aligned ourselves with the purpose of God. What happens when we align ourselves with the purpose of God? We line ourselves up with the authority and the power of God. And the power of God is made manifest in our lives. People see the power of God working through our lives. We are a powerful church, active church. We are a powerful church because the blood of Jesus is on our side. We have the power of God working in us because the Holy Spirit is alive inside of us. When the spirit of darkness comes over, we know to just pray in tongues. Until that spirit just lifts off of us. And I believe that some of you today, you've been suffering with that spirit. And why do you need to fast to overcome? Because faith demands something. Faith always activates action. You want God to act? You got to act. Giving up food, I mean, doesn't, in the natural, it doesn't seem like that's going to do anything with God. For some reason, we think we, you know, we, 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 we burn some incense. We sit in the lotus position. Oh, that's going to do something because it looks spiritual. But giving up food, uh, no, no, it suits us for that not to be spiritual, eh? <laughs> Let's be honest. No, no, I worry about the inner things, not the outer things. We come with all that hippie stuff. Uh-uh. Faith always activates action. You know, in Exodus chapter 17, we, we see there that the Israelites were, were, were fighting the Amalekites, and as long as Moses' hands were up, the Israelites were winning. Then his hands would get tired, they'd start dropping, the Israelites would start losing. Eventually they put on a chair, Moses' hands stayed up, and uh, they came and they held Moses' hands up. Notice, his hands are up in a position like when we're praising God. This is a position of surrender. When we're surrendering before Almighty God. And you know, you say, I won't do this. Why not? Because ah, I'm spiritual. No, no, no. This is spiritual. Because you're showing the whole world, I surrender to my King. When you get on your knees before Almighty God, you're saying, I bow before my King. And that physical action brings about a spiritual release. And so fasting is a physical action. 
It's an act of obedience before Almighty God. You know, Jesus didn't say if you're fasting. He said when you're fasting. And, and what happens is when we fast and we pray. Now remember if you fast without praying, you're just dieting. But when we fast and we pray, God begins to build up our faith. And, and you begin to get this excited feeling inside of you. And your faith is shown by what you do. And then the fire of God comes inside of you. That if a man brings his, his, his boy that is stuck with a mute spirit, you have the power by the Holy Spirit to deliver that boy. And when that kind of fire is in your life, you will have fruit. People will come to you. You will have disciples. You will have people asking you about the Lord. You will have, asking, you'll have people asking you to teach them how to pray. That's why you must be part of the prayer meetings. If you've missed them, they're on my Facebook page still. They're on Active TV. They're in a playlist. You need to learn how to pray the way God teaches us how to pray through the Bible. They're powerful prayers. And then, you know, even in the service. So you're tempted at home to slack off. We start the broadcast at half nine. It's for a reason. So that you can start creating an atmosphere right there in your home. Half an hour before the service, you create the atmosphere. You start bringing people. You create an atmosphere of the gathering of the saints. The same in the morning. Five minutes before six. We start with the things so that you can be ready. And then we start with a song of worship. And you need to worship there. You need to worship there because the worship ushers in the presence of God. And you've got to do it with the right attitude. Even here in the service. When, when the worship starts, you stand there and you worship as if you were here. You worship with every fiber in your being. Because praising God ushers in the presence of Almighty God. And it doesn't help just to obey on the outside. If you want to see the power of God working in your life, you've got to obey with the right attitude. Remember, in this faith, this Christian faith, this faith that the Lord Jesus Christ gave us through His teaching and through His death on the cross and the resurrection. Let me tell you about this. It's a faith of the heart. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, Paul says to Timothy, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere. Why are we doing this fast? And why are we doing the prayer meetings? Why are we teaching our disciples how to pray? Because look what Paul says to Timothy. I desire that men pray everywhere. God is desiring that you pray everywhere. Everywhere. All the time. Without ceasing. That you have this constant relationship with Him. You're going into a board meeting. You're praying. You're going into a meeting at the school because your child is in trouble. You're praying. Wherever you are, you're praying. The president's having another family meeting. Don't we hate those family meetings? My fellow South Africans. We hate that. We know you're saying, hey, stay at home, but pray. Pray before that family meeting. Give it to God. Pray everywhere. Lifting up holy hands. Why aren't you raising your hands? Look at the instruction. This is in the New Testament. Lifting up holy hands. We do this physically and we pray and we sing and we shout to God. With everything that we have. We shout to Him with every fiber in our being. Why? Because we are in the presence of God. And we need the presence of God. And then without wrath and without doubting. So in other words, I'm not going to raise my hands. And I've got wrath. I've got anger towards pit. Because pit swore at my wife. 30 years ago. I'm not even made 30 years. But he swore it. Get rid of the wrath. Don't say, I won't lift my hands. I will sit on the couch while the worship is going on. I will not do what you say. This is for other people. It's not for me. Don't say that. Because when you say stuff like that, you don't understand the power that is behind the physical act of obedience. Of praying everywhere. Standing up, raising your hands, praising God. So don't say, I won't kneel. I won't kneel and I won't shout. I have neighbors, you know, and we are sophisticated. No, don't say that. Don't say that because... 
You're saying, Lord, I won't obey you. You want the move of the Holy Spirit. You want the move of God. You want the power of God. And then he says, do it without doubting. Don't doubt the power of God. Which means don't question. You know, I like this teaching about the fasting, but I'm not going to do it. Why? I just don't know if it's for me. I'm not going to, you know, I don't, I'm not going to add to your views on Facebook. Why not? It's just not me. Really? Who are you question? Because what we're doing is we're teaching you to connect to Almighty God. I just, I just don't feel that that's me. Don't get caught up with the I feel generation. Don't get caught up with the I feel generation. Too many people in the church are coming and they're singing, I feel, I sense. And they're worshipping with flags and everything for 40 hours. And it's, it's fantastic and, it, and the spirit moves and all of that. But then once you've done this for 40 hours and the world thinks you're weird. You know, like when you have those people and they're running around with flags in the church. The world thinks you're weird. Which is fine. You can be weird. But then what are you doing after you were weird? You see, God empowers you. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't help to go around talking all the time about how you feel about stuff and then you do nothing. What are you doing? What are you doing? 7%. Of Christians are excited to tell people about Jesus. Seven percent. Because we're not connected to God. Our faith isn't real. If your faith is real, you're going to tell everyone. The same as when I met my wife, I told everyone. Because I had faith in her. Didn't I? Then you tell everyone. I met this chick. Yo, she's hot. She's just perfect, eh? When she gets up, the sun rises. Why do you go and tell everyone about that person? Because you have faith in it. If you have faith in Jesus, you're going to be excited to tell people. If you're not excited to tell people, I want to encourage you to get to God. I want to encourage you to get with the prayer meetings. I want to encourage you to get that connection, to get that that. It's like that subliminal, excited feeling that's just there all the time. It's like an engine that just doesn't stop. What's the problem when you focus on your feelings? Then you get others to feel the same way you do. And you get these groups and you're all talking there about this and that and the next. But you do nothing. You do nothing. You expend all this energy. You have all of these discussions. But you do nothing. You want the spiritual result. You want that relationship with God. Every Christian wants that relationship with God. But you haven't done anything. You're saying, why must I kneel? I feel humble. I don't need to kneel. You feeling humble doesn't mean you're humble. What does it do when you come and you kneel before God? When you physically kneel before God. What does it do? What does it do? Well, you look like an idiot, don't you? I mean, think about it. In the natural, you look like a fool. So, you're looking like a fool for God. So kneel. That's humility. When you say, I won't kneel, you forget that the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It doesn't help to say, I feel I have faith. As long as I feel like I've got faith, as long as I feel like I love, I don't have to step out. I don't have to risk it all for God. I don't have to show my wife I love her. I don't have to show her what the Bible says love is, which is patience and kindness. 
And so God wants physical obedience. And that's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Moreover, when you fast. He doesn't say if you fast. You see, we, we like to talk about grace and all of these sorts of things. But, but Jesus said, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. You know, some people will say, yeah, but, you know, Jesus was saying this when he was still under law. They talk about dispensationalism and all that kind of stuff. But you know what Jesus said when they asked him, why do your disciples not fast? He says, why must they fast? They're with me. Don't worry, one day I'm going to go to be with the Lord and then my disciples will fast. Doesn't, that argument doesn't hold water. Jesus said, when you fast, you need to fast. Why? For yourself. For yourself to get to God. You need to fast and you need to pray. Why? Because certain demons only come out with fasting and prayer. And then it says, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. Go, oh, we're fasting. You go to all the non-believers at work. Oh, sorry guys, we're fasting. Who cares? You go there, look as if you're not fasting. And it says, For they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. In other words, he's saying, if you're doing it to look good to people, when people go, wow, you've 21 days. Wow. You've got your reward. You've got your reward. Now, obviously, at this time, you all know I'm fasting. But I fast a lot of other times in the year, and you don't know. Sometimes you'll be offering me cake. Then you freak me out. Then I say, I can't have it. I'm fasting. You understand what I'm saying? But I'm not going to just, I don't go around telling everyone I'm fasting. I don't come here in the service and say, guys, don't, everyone, just letting you know tomorrow I'm fasting. eh?" No, because I want my reward from God. I want it from Him. I'm fasting for my relationship with Him. But when you fast, anoint your head, put on the hydrant, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. God will reward you, and He will reward you so that people can see that He's rewarding you. I want to say it again, the physical act of obedience releases spiritual blessing in your life. And that's what you want. That is what you want. You want that blessing. You want that relationship with God. You want to get to the place where you're crying out to Him. It's all about faith. Your faith in God. Your faith in what Jesus did on the cross for you. Your faith that He has sealed your salvation by giving you the Holy Spirit. Your faith in Him that He has provided every single thing that you need for every single day. The faith that as you step out for Him and do things that are impossible for you to achieve, that He's going to provide everything that you need and supernaturally it's going to happen. Supernaturally it's going to happen. When people have COVID-19 or you move to pray for them. If you hear someone's got COVID lungs, are you moved to pray for them? Are you moved to, to pray for them? Imagining and, and filling your imagination with the pictures of them walking out that hospital, running down the road, putting on their running shoes and their shorts and running the Comrades Marathon with whole lungs. Lungs that were better than what they ever had before. Do you believe that? God wants you to start believing that. God wants you to start praying for people. God wants you to start being a vessel so that His power can flow through you. But most of all, God wants you to have a relationship with Him through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, all of the power and all of the stuff is nice to hear, but if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't have any of it. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you have everything that you need. You've just got to take it by faith. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't have anything you need and everything, is, uh, is, is, everything revolves around your own effort. You've got to do it. You've got to make it happen. And that's why many, many times you will compromise. You will compromise because in order to do it in your own strength, you can't keep to the rules. You will break the law to get it done. 
And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to live a life like that. I don't want you to live a life anymore where you're on your own. I don't want you to live a life where you have to fear COVID-19 or cancer or the bubonic plague or strokes or heart attacks or bullets or knives. I don't want you to live a life anymore where you're afraid of anything that can take your physical life. Because when you have a real relationship with me, that fear will go. You will have perfect love and the perfect love casts out all fear. Supernaturally. It's a supernatural thing. And he says, I'll give you a hope beyond the grave. In other words, even after you die, you'll have a hope. The people that love you will be crying for you at that graveside. But you will be with me. You'll have had a promotion. That's the hope beyond the grave. And any hope you have in life other than that one is wishful thinking. It's wishful thinking. And so I want to encourage you with this right now. Romans 10 verse 8 and 9 says, but what does it say? It says the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So this is the word of faith we preach. It's near you. It's in your, in your mouth and in your heart. And what, it, what needs to be in your mouth and in your heart? Well, in your mouth, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. So you've got you to confess that Jesus is your Lord. In other words, he's your owner. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Listen, if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead after he died, everything else will fall into place. You will believe in the power of the cross. You will believe in the power of the blood of Jesus. You'll believe in the power of the Holy Spirit that has been given to you. Because the Bible says that if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, if you believe that in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says God gives you his Holy Spirit. The Bible also says that God gives you the right to be called a child of God in John chapter 1 verse 12. And what does this verse say further? It says, and you will be saved. Be saved from what? Be saved from the ultimate, the second death, eternal death. And you will be transformed into eternal life. And so I want you to close your eyes right now, right there where you are. And I want to ask you, has the Lord been speaking to you? And you know, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that He's calling you back to Him. Or maybe He's calling you to Him for the first time. For the first time, the gospel has made sense here today. He's saying, give your heart to me. He's calling on you to do that right now. Maybe you're worried about a sin. Maybe there's some stuff that you've done that separates you from God. That's why you get to God. That's why you fast. That's why you pray. Because the blood of Jesus will wash your sin away. Which means he removes that separation that that happens between you and God. He destroys the gap. And Jesus is saying, if you will believe in me, I will wash all your sin away. All of that stuff that separates you from your Father in heaven will be taken away right now if you will believe in me. Maybe you're sitting there and uh, you're thinking, wow, this all sounds true, but let me just think about it. And the Lord might be saying, it sounds true because I've spoken to you. I've pierced the darkness of the spiritual realms that are around you. I've spoken into your heart. And he's saying to you, But if you don't accept me today, you never will. Because that spiritual blindness will come over you again and you will never have the opportunity again. You may live another 30 years. You will never have the opportunity again. Today is the day of your salvation. Give your life now. And you know, I was speaking to to one of my leaders and they were saying the biggest problem is people don't have hope and they don't have a purpose. Yes, but the blood of Jesus was shed to give you a purpose. Jesus has a purpose for your life. He wants to give you purpose. And don't wait in terms of this because your eternal destiny is at stake. And I want to encourage you right now. Maybe you're listening. Still kneel. Kneel before whatever listening device you're listening to. Or if you're at a place, maybe on a taxi, maybe, maybe you're at work or something, you can't, put your right hand on your heart. I want you to do a physical sign so that you can get the blessing of God. And what you're doing when you're saying, when you're doing this, you're saying to God, this is the time, Lord. 
this is the time. Lord, I want to commit to you now. I want to submit my life completely to you right now, Lord. I can't wait until later because I don't know if I'll make it. I want to commit to you now. And I don't want to live eternity far from you. I want to live close to you from this day on. And Lord, I want to know that when you, when, when you say it's time for me to come home, when death comes knocking on my door, I want to know that I'll be fine because I want to know that I'll be with you for eternity. I want that assurance. That's what you're saying. So now I'm going to ask everyone, place your right hand on your heart, right there where you are. Now I want you to visualize Jesus. See him dying on the cross for you because the Bible says that the same Jesus who died on the cross for you over 2,000 years ago, he's the same Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. And right now, because of this faith that you're placing in me, he's sorting your sin out. And whether you're giving your life for the first time or you're recommitting your life to Jesus, he's sorting it out forever. The blood of Jesus is a price that was paid for your sin. Just repeat after me with this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything that I've done wrong. And I renounce my life of sin. And I accept your sacrifice. And I know that it was the price you paid for my redemption. I ask, Lord, that the blood of your wounded body wash me today of all rebellion and all my sin. That you would set me free from any sickness and any pain. Lord, I accept that my debt has been paid. That there is no outstanding balance. You paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary. And I accept that by your blood I'm justified. And you've made it as I've never sinned. You see me now as I've never sinned. And by your blood, I'm sanctified. And you have set me apart for the special purpose of serving you. And Lord, I want to serve you with all my heart. And so I open the door of my heart, Lord Jesus. I invite you to come in as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and for giving me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
beginning.